0: Well, good morning everyone. This is the Author Revolution podcast and I am your host, international best-selling indie author Carissa Andrews. Well, this has been a strange week, my friends, not only because of the COVID-19 quarantine, but in a lot of other ways too. I think I mentioned last week that I’m not really one to drop into anxiety about this one, and I’ll touch on a few of my revelations as to why I think that is in just a moment. But... Interestingly, it seems this easygoing nature, (laughs) if that's what you want to call it, has made me come across as a little bit less than empathetic to certain friends who are truly struggling right now. So first of all, if you are one of my listeners who felt that this was the case as well, I hope that you'll hear me out when I say that I'm very sorry. That is absolutely not the way that I was intending any of this to come across at all. When I was five years old, My middle brother was actually diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. So as a kid, obviously, I lived every day, knowing that this could be one of the last for my brother. However, as time really went on, he got stronger and not worse. His tumor went into remission, and while he wasn't healed and by no means grew up to be a quote-unquote normal child, he survived. In fact, he survived my entire childhood and well into my adult life. And I think that when you live with that kind of threat in a day-to-day basis out of the majority of your life, it actually changes you. And for some reason, it can boost some people into anxiety and make them more prone to worrying all the time. I know that's the case for my dad. But for me, I think it broke that meter and made me realize that while death could be imminent and it could come back for him or heck any of us at any time, I couldn't live my life in that space of what if at least not as a kid. It was just not the place where I wanted to be. And it's definitely not the place that my mom wanted for us. And she reinforced that in us that, yes, he's sick. Yes, he could die. But we can't live in fear of it, that we have to embrace life as it is right now. And I really took that to heart. So I couldn't live with being a big ball of nerves. And I knew that instead, I needed to find the best way to make do with the time that I had whether that was with my brother or with my own life in general. So now while my brother Scott did go on to live until he was 35 years old, I was 37 when his brain cancer finally caught back up to him. So when he did die, I had my peace with his death. His and actually even my own. And it's part of the reason why I'm not as upset now with the whole uh, COVID-19 thing and also part of the reason why I'm honoring him by donating 50% of my royalties to the American Cancer Society with this latest series, The Windhaven Witches. He is and was such an inspiring person because he lived his life every day without any kind of fear. He was probably one of the most joyful people I have ever met in my entire life. So ironically, in many ways, this series, The Windhaven Witches, actually centers around the theme of death and the way that it shapes us. So, every day I am literally putting myself in a world where my main characters are dealing with ghosts and revenants and the dead or dying and so many other elements that I can't even begin to touch on without spoilers. Don't worry, it's not all grim and like horrible. It's actually quite inspiring. But the main takeaway of that series is really that there is always hope. That's really the case when it comes to COVID 19 as well, at least for me. So, if you go looking for the scary stuff, rest assured you're going to find it. But if you also go looking for the good stuff, the stuff that can make you breathe a sigh of relief, you'll find that too. So the choice really is yours and what you do with the information that's out there. I, just like I did as a kid, choose not to live in fear. However, I will make damn good use of the time I have, and I hope that you will too. So with this thought in mind, let's dive into the main bulk of today's episode. This week, I want to talk about that written word media survey that was done at the end of last year, and it's out there to see the trends of what's happening in the indie author' space and how it translates into true income. I think very often, we have this crazy notion that if you write a book, the fans and the money will come flowing in and you'll be rich instantaneously. And unfortunately, <laughs> the facts just don't support that. For those of you who might want to check it out, we even touched on this a little bit in episode 20, where we talked about getting over a lackluster launch. So if you're feeling let down by the author space, and maybe you're even thinking you're not cut out for this author gig because you aren't earning 50000 or more, you might want to perk up and have a listen to what I have to say next. If you're a new author with less than six books under your belt, there's a very good chance you're earning less than $6,000 a year on your books. In fact, 80% of authors in this category fell into this yearly income bracket of $0,000, which hopefully you're making more than that, to $6,000. Subsequently, 10% of authors earn between $6,000 and $12,000, and the other 10% earned $12,000 to $60,000, all with six books in their list on average. So while it could certainly happen faster for you, the chances are pretty high with that 80% that you're going to be earning less than $6,000 a year for a little while. I don't know about you, but that definitely makes me sigh with a bit of relief that my early struggles weren't as unusual as I felt like they were. Now, let's take a look at the next income bracket in the survey, those making a living wage with their books and earning an income of $60,000 a year from their book sales. Written Word Media found that the number of books that you have to have in your back catalog matters a lot. For those who went from 6000 to 60000 in royalties, the average number of books in their backlist went from six books to 22. That's a big leap to start making some decent money. But the most interesting part for me wasn't that leap. It was the one that happens next. In order to make that big six-figure income, the average number of books is just six more. Yep, six to get you going, 16 more to make a a living, and six more yet to hit six figures. Are you seeing a trend here? (laughs) Basically, it boils down to this. You're not going to hit that coveted six-figure salary overnight, no matter who tells you that they can help you do it. You're going to need to put in the work and write your little heart out. One of the biggest differences between the emerging author, or those who make less than $6,000 to the six-figure authors, is the amount of time that they dedicate to their craft. While one could say that it's easy for them to spend more time writing since they're earning a living wage from it, it's important to note that it also adds to the write-more-books-earn-more-money concept too. Because the six-figure authors are spending, on average, 32 hours a week writing. In other words, they're taking it seriously as their full-time job. Where emerging authors are putting in about 18 hours on average a week, and that's still quite a considerable number, too, when you consider that most of these authors are working other jobs. Well, what about the 60Kers? They've upped their game as well, spending, on average, 28 hours a week writing. One of the cool things about this survey from Written Word Media is that they went into a bit more granular detail at the request of the authors who wrote in, wanting to know more. So they gave it to us, and I'm happy to pass on some of this interesting information to you guys. The additional info does suggest that those making $60,000 and up were more likely to be writing full-time and either supporting themselves or their entire family completely on their wages. However, The 60Kers were split down the middle between having a day job and writing full-time. So to me, that suggests that as they move into that 60K range, they need to be assured a little bit of some stability before going all-in and quitting their jobs altogether. Because as they went on into that $100,000 a year bracket, that's where it really plummeted with the day job aspect of it. Very few of the six-figure authors are working a day job while also writing. Another thing I found particularly fascinating was the differences in genres that were making money. They found that, at least as of last year, authors making 60,000 or more were often writing in the genres of paranormal, romance, or the combined paranormal romance. But they were still being underrepresented in the emerging author spectrum, so maybe something to uh, stick in your hat for right now. It's really weird to me, since that's one of the areas where I write in, and it seems, by other statistics, that it's highly competitive so it just goes to show you that looks can be deceiving. However, mystery, science fiction, fantasy, and YA were also well-matched in earning their keep, both with the amount of money being made and the emerging authors who were entering into those genres. Interestingly, there's a lot of things that are really interesting, obviously. In the emerging author group, literary fiction, children's fiction, and nonfiction were overrepresented and not earning as much. I can tell you from my own personal experience being the president of a local nonprofit for writers, this has to do in part with the statistics that show the retirees who are entering the author space. They make up about 17% of the overall emerging author market, and I found that if they plan to write fiction, they usually gravitate toward the literary fiction genre because in their minds, it seems very prestigious and they themselves actually like to read it. Otherwise, they're writing something fun for their grandkids, thus the children's books, or they want to pass on the wealth of knowledge that they've obtained over the years. So all of this to me makes perfect sense. My advice to you if you're in this market space is to dig a little bit deeper. It's not to say that you can't write literary fiction, for example, but to think about your other subgenres that your book could fall in to make them a bit more marketable to the general public as it stands right now because that will increase your exposure and increase your royalties. So what about this dreaded marketing thing? How much does it play into the whole earning a lot of money as an author? Well, according to the stats, a lot. They found that the most effective marketing ended up being BookBub deals, shocking, I know, other promo sites, and then on to paid advertising like Amazon and Facebook. And part of this had to do with the time investment being vastly different between say getting a bookbub deal and just paying them to do the work for you and learning how to run an effective amazon marketing campaign. In my personal experience, you still want to do both. As nice as it is to plug in your book into a promotion site for a single day and log off, you're not reaching anyone beyond that promo site's audience. You're also not reaching anyone on any other day. So as soon as the promo runs out, so do your sales and you definitely want sales to continue on. One of the ways that you do that, and this is something that I tell my own emerging author students, that when they start out, they need to keep things simple. And by that, I mean, go all in with Amazon Select and grant them exclusivity so that you can end up in the Kindle Unlimited program. And I do this for two reasons. One, it makes their lives easier in the beginning so that they don't get overwhelmed. And Amazon is going to be their biggest source of income no matter what they decide to do anyway. Also, the Written Word Media survey backs up this idea. They found that 91% of emerging authors say that they make the most money from books they sell on Amazon, while 93% of both 60,000ers and the six figure authors say the same. 93%, it actually went up. The only difference in the breakdown after that is that emerging authors are more likely to have every single one of their books enrolled in KDP Select, whereas 38% of the six figure authors are all in. 29% 29% are distributed wide exclusively, and 33% have a mix of titles in both KDP Select and wide. It's nice to know that you can go all in or you can have your eggs in multiple baskets. Just something as food for thought as you go on and have more books in your back list. Okay, so a lot of authors I've talked to really struggle with the KDP Select exclusivity because when they start out, they believe that their books should be available as wide as possible for more people to find them. Now, in theory, this would be true, but unless you have the advertising budget to make this work, it ends up falling flat. So in my personal experience, the other book marketing platforms like Barnes & Noble or iBooks, they just don't deliver the organic discoverability that Amazon does, so it makes getting seen and bought all the harder. Plus, if you're wide, unless your books are selling like gangbusters on Amazon, your sales ranking plummets from not having any page reads through KU. So that also makes it harder for people to find your books on Amazon as well. So it it kind of goes against all of the conventional wisdom that you might think as you're coming in by going wide. Okay, last but not least is the whole price debate. My friends, please, please, please hear me when I say do not put your ebooks up for the price of a traditionally published book. Period. Yes, your favorite author might be selling an ebook at almost $10. But you are not them. You don't have their marketing team or their budget to contend with. Combine that with the fact that no one has ever heard from you or your books or have any idea what you're going to be trying to deliver and you have a recipe that actually spells out how to ensure only your close friends and your family will buy your book. Spend some time hunting around in your genre and check out the average price that's selling in your indie author space. On average, Written Word Media found a significant number of emerging authors pricing their books way too high. In comparison, only 3% of six-figure authors have a book priced over $10. The majority of authors who are doing this are actually the emerging authors. So, needless to say, the majority of six-figure authors are putting their books priced between $3.99 and $5.99 But many of them have titles that are free as a reader magnet or are priced at just 99 cents. And there's a very specific reason why they do that. Many new authors don't understand the marketing technique of giving away a book for free or for cheap. I get it. You spend a lot of time and energy on that thing. But you have to look at it from a business and long-term perspective. If you were being enticed to read a brand new author's book, someone you've never ever heard before... Which would you take on a chance if you didn't know them personally? The one with a free or 99 cent book or the one that was trying to charge you $9.99? You might have to put your time and energy into writing your books, I get it, but they're gonna have to put time and energy into reading your book. They need to know that your book or writing style will be worth it for them and your job is to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes and start reading. So before anyone asks, yes, I do have one free title. I have two books that are 99 cents that are all listed out there. And in fact, my international bestseller Pandamus, is one of them. Look, it's the start to my Pandamas Chronicles series. And if I want them to start reading so that they make it through the whole thing, I want them to be as open as possible to having a go at it. Same goes for my eighth dimension series. The first book in that series, the final five is 99 cents as well. And yes, All of my titles, with the exception of my free novelette Trajectory and Secret Legacy, which is the one that I'm trying to hit the New York Times with this year, are all in KDP Select. Every single one of them is priced under $5. So, what are the takeaways you should have from this podcast episode? And what have we learned from this study? Well, number one, set realistic expectations. You need to have 22 to 28 books on average to be earning a living wage from your writing. Number two, get consistent. Even if you're only writing a few hours a week, consistency is key because it builds up your author muscles. You can't write and publish faster if you don't make writing a priority. Number three, get rapid release ready. You need to make a plan for publishing more books as quickly as possible. And if you're not quite sure how to do it, don't worry, I've got you covered. Trust me. Stay tuned. I'll give you some more details. Number four, genre matters. Take a close look at the genre you're writing in and decide if it's the one that you want to continue with. Because sometimes, if making money as an author is what your goal is, your genre might be hindering you. So, take a closer look at it and see if there's other areas that could be more in alignment with both what you like to read and write and will earn you some money. Number five, learn to market. It takes time to market your books effectively, and it does take an investment of cash as well. But when you treat the author space like a business, your mindset shifts to a place of prosperity in advertising, and that's where the magic happens. Number six, test KDP Select. If you're new to the writing game or planning to write a series of books, your best bet is to go all in with Amazon. Don't feel like you're going to have to be married to them either, though. Your exclusivity contract is only for 90 days or three months, so reevaluate often to see if and when you want to make a shift. Number seven, don't price yourself out. Please pick a price for your books that new readers won't turn away from. As sad as it might be, you have to meet your readers where they are. And if they don't know you and you haven't built a name for yourself just yet, you can't command the attention or the price tag from an author who already has done the work. So make sure that you set your ebook prices to be competitive in your genre market space. But keep in mind that having a reader magnet, something free or at a reduced price, is always going to attract more readers to your series. One last little tidbit from the survey that I think will give you some encouragement. A whopping 74% of the six-figure authors were exclusively self-published. Think on that a moment. Nearly two-thirds of those authors. That's amazing. Here's the thing. 69% of the $60,000 a year authors published their first book five or more years ago. So keep writing and keep dreaming about where you want to be in the next five years. The time's going to pass anyway, so why not choose to write your little heart out? As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about making it to the six-figure author space, and I can see a clear path to doing it. If you've been following me for a while, you already know that I'm working on my signature course, Rapid Release Roadmap, and I'm laying down the foundation for it right now, and I'm about to open doors to those who want to beta test the course at a very limited edition but lifetime price of just $97. When the course is complete, it's going to be selling for $997. So if you're interested in hopping in on this deal, head over to today's show notes and go to authorrevolution.org forward slash 22 to get on the waiting list for when I open the doors. I will also be posting links to the written word media survey so you can check out all of these findings for yourself. Now next week, let's talk about How to know when it's time to start working on your next book in a rapid release scenario. I'm at this phase right now, and I thought it would be a really great time to clue you in on when to cut one book loose and start working on the next one. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, I do hope you will. It's easy to click the button, and then you'll never have to miss another episode. Plus, it totally makes me feel good to see that you liked and subscribed to my podcast. After all, I'm doing this for you, and I like to know that you're getting as much out of it as I am. Alright guys, that's it for me this week. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead. Stay safe and calm. Don't let fear and anxiety take the wheel, but definitely keep your eyes and ears open, my friend. Let this time spark your creativity and spur on more writing time. You're going to need it. So go forth and be awesome.